Welcome back to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack, and in this time when corona, the coronavirus pandemic is uh, having a huge impact on everybody, it's certainly having one on schools, and from our perspective, uh, it's an area that we'd uh, certainly like to discuss with the community. And Nick Pryor, who's an experienced teacher, classroom teacher at our school, Berwick Lodge Primary School, has kindly consented to join us on the viewpoints, having spent the morning uh, doing some on-site teaching with students who attend our school. Welcome to Viewpoints, Nick. Thanks for having me in, Henry. You've had a, a busy morning, I hear. Uh, yes, yes. Just another, another day on campus uh, with our kids of essential workers and other kids that need to be here. Now, you're a classroom teacher, plus you've volunteered to uh, attend school in the on-site capacity. Uh, for the people out there, there's been a lot of chatter about this out there. Um, it's a new experience for all of us. Tell us a little bit about how you're finding being two teachers in one, so to speak. Uh, it, look, it has its challenges. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It, uh, coming in, look, I'm glad to come in and help out, but um, I'm also at the same time managing my classroom um, as if I was their teacher from home. So I'm working with the kids in the room and still getting messages on my computer every, on a pretty regular, every two minutes or so, my phone, my little watch will vibrate. It means the kids, one of the kids from my grades got in touch with me so um, I'm trying to balance the t walk the tightrope between a classroom teacher and the digital teacher remote learning at the same time and it's it can be tricky but we're getting there. Now it's an interesting and controversial uh, tactic strategy to have on-site and remote learning uh, components and given that teachers have the option of uh, and school staff of volunteering or not volunteering, taking into account their own health concerns. Uh, you volunteered. Why? Uh, I see the need um, to for some families where they just cannot um, in any way have the kids at home, uh, whether they be an essential worker or there's other issues going on where the kid is better off at school. So I thought I would fill in the need and um, do my bit there. How do you feel about that decision given what we know about the potential and even some unknown uh, aspects of coronavirus? Uh, I feel like um, my role is almost as an essential worker as well because I'm performing the role that essential workers would do it at home. So there is a, an amount of risk, but we're taking precautions at the school, um, trying to minimise the risk. But, uh, you know, we'll discuss that later on, I'm sure. Mm, <laughs> um, yes. But, yeah, that's, I, that's my feeling. I think I'm just doing something essential. Now, in all schools, um, given that it's a choice, there are some teachers, staff members who have volunteered, others who haven't. Um, your view of those who haven't, and uh, is that a potentially divisive issue? Uh, look, I, I feel like it's purely personal choice. Um, I know a lot of people have health issues or kids at home, um, and even if they don't, I don't think about it. It's their decision to come in or not to come in. Yes. Now, what's the biggest challenge in delivering? Let's start with the, the remote component, which is your children that you're teaching, your classroom, uh, by distance education. Tell us some of the challenges. Okay, there's a, there's a, there's a few. Um, obviously, technological, you have technology issues. Um, kids will, might be having problems with the network at home or they'll only have access for a short time or at certain times to their computers. Um, they're still getting used to using the platform that we're using. Uh, so they, they pepper me with a lot of questions on how to use our platform. Um, 
it also exposes when you're answering questions via text on on this platform, it exposes how many questions you answer on a normal school day, um, verbally or even with body language. The, the thousands of questions that you answer, where you can just stop the class and say, "Okay, everyone, pens down. This is what we're doing wrong." Um, the kids can read your body language. You can act things out and have full discussions. But with this platform, it's all done via text. So it's a message, individualized messages that you've got to repeat 30 times. Uh, and then you repeat for the kids who didn't get the first message the first time. And um, it can be pretty taxing. And I'm, I'm not the sort of person who can sit in front of a computer screen all day either. So that's that's taking – it's got a bit of a physical effect. You need to get out. Mm. Yeah. And And the feedback from the parents, have you had any of that to date? I've had, I've had only positive feedback from the parents in my class, which is um, wonderful. Look, I've acknowledged the work that they're doing at home. I know it can't be easy for them um, to be working one-on-one with kids at home on um, the curriculum that they're not as familiar with as I am. Um, and they've given me plenty of positive feedback in return. And um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a positive experience in that way. Now, the on-site component whereby you've got basically – what I had when I started my career many years ago, if you like, a rural school type environment <laughs> where you've got children from prep to six or they could be that sort of mix, kids that you don't normally teach, uh, all age groups. Uh, tell us and, – and you've got the social distancing issues. Tell us how that's all working for you. Okay. Um, look, it's, it's good to be exposed to kids of um, a range of age, age groups. I was working with the preps to uh, – preps to threes this morning um the other days that i've come in has been mostly with four to sixes um and even those separate groups have their challenges obviously the younger kids may have difficulty reading their instructions now if we're not supposed to be going near them um it's very hard to direct them from afar into how to type in a password and how to um you know read read a certain button on a page that can be quite challenging with the youngers um yeah, it's it definitely, and it's impossible to keep them apart a, l- a lot of the time of the day. If you go outside for a break, kids are kids. They, the younger ones especially, do not understand social distancing guidelines. <laughs> if they see a caterpillar on a seat, they're all going to run. To the, they're going to be drawn like a magnet to that caterpillar, and you turn around, everyone away, and then you, they separate. Then thirty seconds later, they found something else, and they're all grouping again. And um, it's absolutely impossible to keep them apart for a day. And, and you've got a class of no more than 10 at a time. Yeah. How do you think that would play out if we took the advice of the federal government and we had all kids back at school uh, before this uh, pandemic has been fully addressed? The, the only way you could do that is by um, making it clear that there are no social distancing rules in the school. Um, and that kind of, when you do that, it makes, um, you know, bordering off the playgrounds and um, using hand sanitizer kind of redundant because the kids are going to be packed into a closed space all day. Um, I can't see how it works. And, of course, you've got adults, the staff involved in that too. Yes, that's right, and more susceptible to um, the effects of the virus. And um, and they say that kids can be asymptomatic and, look, they're not even clear on what they've found. So... I think when they're not clear on the on the dangers, the risks involved, um, it's it's pretty risky to open schools up completely. In, in discussions with your your colleagues, what are the big issues uh, in term two now that we're in the middle of this uh, situation? What are the issues that uh, colleagues are, are chatting about, uh, Nick? Okay, initially um, it was all the 
um, technological things, trying to get used to the, the platform that we're using and the communication with the families. Um, the teachers are getting getting on board with that pretty well and I think we're, we're coping pretty well. We're talking to each other a lot and having meetings a lot. I think one of the main things is what's on the horizon, what's next? Um, how do we reopen? When we reopen, which which programs do we start again? Um, you know, what what have we missed out on? How do we make up the curriculum things that we might have lost? And how do we assess where the kids are at when they come back? So it's already eyes to the future, I think. Mm, we take a short break, listeners. Don't go away. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. I'm in the middle of a discussion with Nick Pryor, who's uh, an experienced classroom teacher at our school, Berwick Lodge Primary School, and we're chatting about how um, how he is dealing with and how teachers are dealing with uh, the new environment in schools in term two, 2020. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you. Nick, um, you've been a teacher for, you said uh, in the beginning, quite a few years, 18 years. Tell us a little bit about your career. Okay, well, um, I started out in Gippsland. Um, it's some pretty small schools there. Um, came into the east, southeastern suburbs. Um, worked at a few schools around there and joined Berwick Lodge in 2004. I think I was filling in for a maternity leave position in the computer lab. And, um, I've done a lot of specialist roles here. I've been ICT, PE, uh, robotics. I've taught grade fours, fives, sixes. So I've, I've done a fair bit. Not too many with the juniors yet. Mm. Well, you're getting that chance now, I understand, Nick. <laughs> I am. I so, am. so I presume as the principal I can expect a, a strong application to work in the Peter Two area next year? I wouldn't expect too hard, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found teaching the junior ones in, albeit, a very, very challenging environment compared to normal school practice? Oh, look, uh, they're great. They're, they're, they, they make you laugh and they, they're always so positive about everything and um, they mostly give everything a go. The challenge is that, yeah, using the devices and not being able to just go up to them and um, press on their screen for them and show them, it's kind of a, you know, it's got a good uh, silver lining because the kids will, um, they're learning to solve problems for themselves and I can't do it for them. I say, look, you can see what's on the screen, read every single word and press what you think works and they're having a go and they're trying and they're failing sometimes and they're getting through and it's it's a good lesson to learn for the kids. Mm. Now, we mentioned before the parents and clearly a lot of them are struggling big time in this in different ways and we don't always hear about it. Uh, have you had any feedback on how the parents are coping? Um, look, some of the parents, you know, they've, they've let me know that it is difficult and I've, I've sympathised with them um, and I can imagine it would be quite hard because um, it is one-on-one and you, they're not familiar with the curriculum as much. Um, the idea I think for them is to just be as much of a facilitator as they can be and communicate with me um, if there's any issues that they think their their children can't really overcome technology-wise or even curriculum-wise and um, we sort out the problems. But I imagine it would be quite difficult, especially if you're balancing work. Yes, it would be. Looking at the big picture and um, I know you've always had a keen interest in the politics of education as, of course, I have had. Um, what do you think has been um, the, the, uh, the most challenging aspect of the, the atmospherics politically surrounding this issue from a teacher's perspective? Uh, from a teacher's perspective, I think um, 
seeing headlines in newspapers saying um, PM schools teachers says go back to work uh, where it's not really a decision to start with, but um, it, it, it sort of builds a groundswell of public uh, pressure and it, the newspapers join in and it builds opinions um, and you hear talkback radio and why are these people, they don't want to go back to work and, um, you know, it's, it's classic teacher bashing in a lot of ways, um, which is a nice easy go-to for a lot of um, newspapers and media outlets. Uh, yeah, it can build negativity. It's interesting, Nick, a couple of weeks ago we were hearing uh, how people in the general public and the media were um, expressing great gratitude to teachers and uh, telling us how much they really appreciated what we're doing. It's amazing how fickle opinion can be when the wind changes. <laughs> it doesn't take long, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it sort of has, a, I think, a detrimental effect. I saw some of the comments from some of the teachers who were heartened by the initial praise, only now to be crushed by how quickly, when things aren't continuing that way, to um, to be to be criticised in effect. Yeah, in in a lot of corners, um, a lot of conversations that I've heard, it's almost the old glorified babysitter um, attitude towards teachers. You know, just look after the kids while we get back to work. A, a question that I've been asked, and I'll ask it of you, is: Okay, we're now doing this remote learning and on-site learning uh, with all of the attendant challenges and some silver linings. Uh, if you had your choice, would you rather continue in this or be at school full-time, notwithstanding that you'd probably not want COVID-19 floating around? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, my feeling is that it's not yet time to be opening everything up in that way. Um, of course, I'd much rather be back at school under normal circumstances, but I think uh, we need to learn more about the virus before we just open schools up again because schools are a huge public gateway there's parents coming in kids going home kids coming back kids obviously not isolating social distancing from each other uh, so it could we don't know it could turn into a complete disaster so i think it's as a science tells us more about the pandemic mm, a good point nick now nick um everything's a learning experience even the ones that we'd prefer not to experience what have you learned about uh, uh yourself from this experience um, one of the things I've learned is that um, you can fall into a comfort zone um, and things have a way of shaking you out of that comfort zone. Um, I've certainly been shaken out of mine. Uh, it's rewarding being here. It's hard. It's um, definitely got its challenges. Uh, but I've learned that there are that kids can adapt to a, a lot of different environments and they they don't need to have their problems solved instantly. They can be given the time um, to work through and it's much more rewarding for them and much more rewarding for me as a teacher too. Now one of the issues that I know concerns the parents and we've heard some of our politicians uh, talk about this a lot, they're very concerned that this is a lost year in the student's education and it can never be regained. What's your comment as a teacher and you're right in the middle of it? Yep. Um, look, I, I don't feel it's a lost year at all. Um, We've had one term where we're learning under different circumstances, but that will have its own learnings in itself for the students. Um, when we return to school, in whatever capacity that we do return, we'll pick up the slack. Maybe, look, perhaps Year 11 and 12 students, obviously they've got structured exams and CATs that they need to do in a certain point of time. I feel for our younger students this will be 
um, all part of the experience of learning and growing up in life. Mm. And and in moving forward, Nick, um, how do you see the next few weeks panning out? I mean, we've been through that early time and I must admit I got quite a shock with how much more challenging in certain ways it's been. Uh, but it, it's a bit of a marathon in some ways. Uh, the next month we've got it all bettered down. How do we make sure we keep the momentum going? Okay, I, th- I think um, part of the thing, get, keeping momentum going, uh, we've got to help the kids adapt still. There's still some teething problems. It's, it's early um, for us. Uh, I think introducing some new technologies, researching as much as we can, trying to make more contact individually one-on-one with the students if we can that would be a good thing um remotely of course but just to see their face and they could see our face um might just hit the refresh button on the kids a little um and keep everything as positive as possible and for the staff because um it's an interesting one in that uh, we're all out of our comfort zone too aren't we yeah, we certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we were in it or not in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, look, I think for staff, just communication is the key. Talk to each other. Um, keep your meetings, which obviously we will be doing. Um, and just look after each other. Mm. Uh, Nick, uh, a last message to, well, our community and the broader community. If you were the person now making that statement, what would you say to people right now? Okay. I would say... Um, We've adapted beautifully to this rather uncomfortable situation. Uh, we're going along really well and we've just got to stay the course and uh, watch the science and keep the eye on what the experts are telling us to do and we'll get out the other side. Mm, and the sooner we get out, the better, but we don't want to rush too early. No, Would we definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. We need to just, just stay informed and um, look forward to when it all comes so you- back. So you'd be aligned to the Victorian state government's approach to this? Certainly. Yeah, I, I like how they're handling it. Yeah, cautious. Mm-hmm. You've got to err on the side of caution in a pandemic. There's not a time for um, gambles. Absolutely not. Nick, it's been a pleasure having you here. What are you going to do for the rest of the afternoon? Go back. <laughs> Go home and um, answer a whole lot of emails that have banked up in the morning while I've been looking after the little kids. So, yeah, I'll talk to my grade five, six students when I get home. Oh, great. And thank you so much for finding the time in your busy day to come in here and share those views with the people out there. We'll take a short break, listeners. Don't go away. 